0: a lot of people skip straight to the how and they just dig right into like how they're going to solve a problem and make decisions about what's the best how. But they're skipping over thought and discussion around the why and the what. And so those are much more critical to uh, consider as inputs to the decision because it will drastically change the how. This is like kind of our framework that we use and, and teach people that that join us as tech leaders and Something that goes into like how we're able to make these good decisions by really anchoring everything into the business case. My name is Todd Larson. I'm the co-founder and CTO of Tech Leader Institute.
1: This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead. A team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laporte, It's a day how Todd Larson set out to create his consultancy to be like the AWS for engineering teams. All this and more on Code Story. From the time he was very young, Todd Larson was always interested in tech. However, he ended up studying audio engineering. So he found his way to tech through teaching himself how to code. Outside of tech, he's a father to a five-year-old daughter and a musician, which both things occupy his time outside of his business. Having gained fantastic experience in the advertising space, at Groupon, and then at Digit, he learned how to execute on longer-term initiatives, but balanced with fast delivery on top of strong foundations. All of this experience was hard-fought, and as he started consulting, he thought, how can I scale myself? This is the creation story of Tech Leaders.
0: You know, my, my background is, you know, I came, I started uh, in the advertising space, so building like lots of products quickly. Um, in advertising, it's all about kind of short-lived apps and stuff that are like campaign based. and so. Got a lot of experience of like how to build quickly and build the right thing at the right time to move fast uh, in the in the advertising space. And then I went into the product world at Groupon, um, and that's where I kind of learned how to do longer term operations and how to really maintain things over time at scale with lots of stakeholders and that sort of complexity. You know how to effectively manage and what are some of the traits of you know particular leaders in the organization that got the most done. Uh, I took that forward when I joined Digit, which is one of the fintech financial health companies that was kind of earlier in the space. They just recently got acquired by Opportune. Uh, and I was there for almost eight years and helped it go from you know nothing, no monetization model at all, to about a hundred people when I left. And over that time, I had to like learn a ton more about how to get first versions of products shipped to production how to integrate those in, you know, all the typical things you'd expect with a, a fast growing startup. And I had to learn it the hard way. And it, it took a long time to really just build all that from scratch. Since I left Digit, I've been doing a lot of consulting for various early stage startups. And across the board, they're always looking for this sort of early stage founding engineer, CTO, whatever you wanna call it, that first technical perspective that's gonna be able to make the right decisions early on to set a strong foundation for the startup. And so what we've done with tech leaders is actually, you know, clone myself essentially. So my answer to these people is like, I can only do so much at one time. So how can I scale what I've learned as that early stage startup founding engineer to be able to help other companies do it a lot faster and do the same thing. You know, one way to think of it is AWS and Heroku made it so startups didn't need to spend a lot of time like standing up new servers and managing all that became kind of click of a button infrastructure out of the box we want to think of it the same way as that for the engineering org so helping staff the team immediately with a kind of consistent healthy engineering culture that we know works you know specific ways of working kind of a modified agile methodology all these things that you kind of take for granted at a bigger company that is honed over a long period of time we can stand that up for, for companies right away to make sure they can ship really good products a lot faster
1: you know it would be interesting to ask this question because typically you know i'm interviewing you know SaaS founders or, or software creators that so, which you are but it's not exactly what you're doing here but i'm gonna ask tell me about you know the mvp for tech leaders you know that first version of you know what you have created it'll be interesting to ask this too how long did it take you to build and and you know what sort of tools did you use to bring what you have today to life
0: the mvp really started with me needing to scratch an itch after leaving digit i wanted to just build something from scratch all over again and so i kind of went back to basics of like what is the best technical stack best in class right now and that's Something that over the course of my career consistently stayed on the edge of like what are the, the best technologies to continue building and to bet on for these companies that are going forward. And I started with just like building a new micro SaaS out of this, this stack. And so that was a lot of fun because I the goal was to just launch that and get it to um, generate revenue as quickly as possible. So I hit $1,000 MRR in 30 days of launching it. That was kind of the spark of like, oh, I could lead this one product, but what if I could do many, many more? And so I started to take on clients to help them bring their uh, MVPs to life as quickly as possible um, with a really good tech stack. With kind of all the best practices that have been learned over time. At that point, I reached kind of a max saying like, okay, I can only do so many of these at a given time. Now, how do I clone myself, so to speak, and do that through training and recruiting, uh, starting with just people in my network who are other really great technical leaders that I know that were CTOs at other early stage startups that could help come in and kind of continue to build out. It's like productized engineering is the best way to, to think of it.
1: When you're building any sort of MVP, right. Or any sort of first version of a product process or team you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs about what you're going to start with right tell me about some of those you had to work through and how you coped with those decisions
0: decision making is one of the the key things that we we pride ourselves on and i think uh, a lot of people talk about making good decisions but not a clear a lot of clarity about what that actually means or what that looks like and how how to do it on a repeatable way and so i think for us, it's about looking at all the various inputs to a decision and then also understanding what are the consequences and outputs of the options. What that looks like is, you know, to give you an example, is a lot of people skip straight to the how and they just dig right into like how they're gonna solve a problem and make decisions about what's the best how. But they're skipping over thought and discussion around the why and the what. And so those are much more critical to uh, consider as inputs to the decision because it will drastically change the how. This is like kind of our framework that we use and and teach people that that join us as tech leaders and something that goes into like how we're able to make these good decisions by really anchoring everything into the business case. One of the biggest problems is when engineering veers away from product or business, if it's not tightly integrated always. And so this decision-making framework really keeps that tight.
1: Okay, so from that point, you've got your decision making framework right you've you've got your your you know what we're calling mvp how did you progress you know tech leaders from there how did you mature it and how are you how are you thinking about you know what what we might say roadmap right for a different you know for different type of of product but how are how are you thinking about what is the next most important thing to address add or build for tech leaders
0: We've had some of the best luck where we are able to partner with either a venture capital studio or product studio of some kind, kind of an incubator of sorts where there's some benefit to standardizing the process and, you know, the software development lifecycle across a number of companies at one time. So we've helped a couple of VCs sort of overhaul a number of their portfolio companies where it felt like the engineering was not moving as quickly as it could. Some other, you know, other sorts of smells of a problem. We're able to come in and help turn that around, so to speak, through augmentation and training of the existing team, or in some cases, replacing altogether if they're struggling struggling to hire, or the old, you know, outsourcing uh, firm is not working as expected. Where we go from here, it really comes down to like this is a merging of like done for you, you know, actual output and delivery, but also the training, and I think that's where. We really scale and invest further where we're able to create like a standard for the people side of things. A lot of companies have different ways of doing it. And they always say like people leave a startup or a company because of the manager, right, not the company. And so we really put an emphasis on what is a good way to lead and manage so that it's an attraction and not a repellent.
1: How did you go about building your team? And this, you know, this may you know, fit into what you've said already, but how how are you building your team? And, and I'm curious, you know, and focusing on the management aspect and, and really even beyond that, what do you look for in these people to indicate that they're the winning horses to join you?
0: Fortunately, I've got a really great network from both the more Silicon Valley uh, tech team, but also the Chicago scene, because I spent a number of years there too. We've gotten really good at how we can plug in fractional talent. So taking like a subject matter expert, that is maybe really great at some element of machine learning and actually plug them into a project at a very fractional part-time hourly way so that they can kind of dip their toes into consulting in a safe way you know kind of moonlighting and we're able to get that kind of just-in-time subject matter expertise when we need it and so we work with that that's kind of how we start and pull people in the more we work with people in that capacity the more they want to work with us full time because. They see what we're doing and enjoy the process and um, enjoy working with us. So it just becomes this kind of natural upgrade path for them to come on more full time. So a lot of it is word of mouth and network right now. But the more we talk about what we do, the more that becomes magnetic for people to want to like get on our wait list to either join the training program and become a tech leader or to be one of the startups that we're able to take on and work with directly like as a partner long term, um, since there's only limited capacity there. but you can see how both sides kind of feed into each other and we're able to grow kind of both sides of that marketplace.
1: So let's flip to scalability and, and you're right on your website that says, you know, building scalable products and teams for early stage startups, right? So scaling is, is obviously in your DNA, but did it start that way? Did you create this to scale efficiently from day one or, or have you been fighting this as you've grown and gained traction?
0: The outcomes that we help deliver are big, you know, full on delivered products that have a lot of moving pieces and complexities. And so because of that difficulty and that challenge, you know, I think it scales more slowly than something that is pure software based. There becomes a ton of leverage at a certain scale because in the end, there's so much time wasted by all these companies kind of standing up their hiring process and building out the team and deciding, you know, what are the, the best practices to follow? All that is just wasted time. And wasted runway i think at a certain point it becomes a lot more scalable because it basically becomes a full-on school that's churning out people with this way of working you know similar to like a boot camp would
1: well as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you have created what are you most proud of
0: creating um, connections between the opportunities at startups and really talented people around the world. Cause that's one of the things that we've been focused on is unlocking these kind of emerging tech talent in, in emerging countries. Country of Georgia is one that we've been working with a lot of really talented software engineers. It's not typically on the radar. And Brazil is another one that we've been working with pretty extensively over the last six or eight months. I'm really proud of just being able to connect, you know, tech entrepreneurs with really eager and loyal and talented people that wouldn't normally get to um, build things like this. So that to me is is one of the most satisfying pieces. Well, let's flip the script a little bit.
1: Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: One would be the the first tech lead that I was bringing on to kind of be my first clone um, did the classic mistake of pulling back too much too soon. You know, one important thing as a company is scaling is that they need to rearrange the organization pretty rapidly and sometimes frequently. But what's the actual process for doing that in the way that can be as smooth as possible? And so to get really specifically, essentially, this tech leader that was replacing me hadn't really been cloned fully enough and didn't have the full set of context uh, that they needed to really be a strong partner with the product owner. And I think that's another key differentiator about how we work. And what we do is that engineering is not just a resource to a product or the business. It's actually like a peer and a partner. To do that, it requires a lot of context to be able to make decisions and have opinions around tech and how it relates to the business specifically. All that to say, decision was made that essentially didn't take into the full picture or a full enough picture that resulted in some technical debt that didn't need to be taken on. Built a piece of software that, or a feature that didn't really need to be built in that moment. And it came down to not having ramped up enough context to that technical leader. So we spend a lot of time now making sure that we're shadowing the new tech leader on the old tech leader. If we're ever transitioning or as we're scaling people to new projects, Um, that transition and that on-ramp and onboarding process is somewhere we spend a lot more focus on now.
1: What does the future look like for tech leaders for, you know, your, your product, right? Which is the scalable products and teams and for your team itself
0: way I see it is, you know, taking ultimately what kind of the, the Y Combinator approach does where it creates an ecosystem of funding and expertise, but actually taking a step further and actually offering done-for-you services. And I think at Digit, one of our investors was Google Ventures, and they kind of started to play with this a little bit with the design sprints. This is where they're actually, you know, the advisors and people with the firm are in the company, not just like a high-level advisor, but actually really thinking deeply about the product themselves and actually helping do things. You see a lot of these big VC firms are starting to do this in some ways already. And we just want to really take that up a notch and do it even further because there's a lot of expertise in the industry that isn't really like properly utilized because, because this bottle really hasn't been used.
1: Well, Todd, let's switch to you who influences the way that you work. Name a person you look up to and why.
0: I keep my idols kind of moving. Um, I've got like a vision document where I write this down. You know, I'm, it's always kind of a, a moving target. And so I've got, I like to think of it as certain traits. So there's certain people that have certain traits that I really like to embody. Naval Ravikant is one, um, it's a pretty pretty big name. Uh, Shamath Palpatana is another one that I really, and what, like kind of certain traits of him. Bob Proctor is another one that's kind of, he's more like a mindset coach. uh, If you're familiar with him. So they're not all necessarily tech people, but I like to think of certain traits and there's certain people in my career that I worked with at certain times where I like certain traits of them, of them. So I like to kind of wrap it all up into a kind of a super identity of sorts.
1: Well, we talked about a mistake, but a, a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach?
0: Early, when I started scaling, just doing what I was doing myself, I took for granted what we did differently and the decision making and the product strategy that we do that a lot of places don't do. And so we're just kind of like doing it naturally just because it was just how we worked. The more we talked with clients and other like kind of partner agencies and and such, we realized like how different that actually was. So I would say you know the biggest mistake was not not leaning into kind of what made us unique, and then that is really what I've realized is like kind of one of the biggest problems that you know the tech industry faces in general, which is kind of the strong people skills and the strong alignment with the business side of things.
1: Well, Todd, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can we show it off to you right there on the plane? What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
0: You know, I think the biggest thing is to, to focus uh, and niche down uh, and decide you know, exactly who you're gonna serve. I mean, I think it's the biggest uh, sort of trap of any early entrepreneurs to try to go wide um, you know, often out of like fear of, you know, just committing to one thing and one thing only. But the power of focus and power of niching down and doing just one thing is incredible. And so I would say, even if it feels uh, uncomfortable, it's the important thing to do as early as possible.
1: That's great advice. Well, Todd, thanks for being on the show today. and Thanks for telling the creation story of Tech Leaders.
0: Hey, thank you, No, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.